Yeah, the privilege of being part of a, um, a men's prayer meeting every Wednesday morning at 7 o'clock. And uh, I really balk at that time, 7 o'clock. I don't know why 7 o'clock. But uh, we get together at 7 o'clock and pray together. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in our 50s or upward. Some of us are more upward than others. Uh, but we have such a great time together. And um, last week one of the fellows said, you know, what's God been saying? What's, what's God speaking to us about? And, uh, and I shared with them that I had been thinking and praying and struggling um, with what I believe God had given me to speak about and you know, to bring as a message and to preach. And um, you know, as often happens, uh, I find that you know, the place that I seem to hear God most clearly is uh, when I wake up in the middle of the night. And it may be the same for you. And I wake up in the middle of the night and, and it's like this, it's just so quiet. And uh, it's, it just seems like it's just me and God. It's like God just wakes me up and, and we have this special little meeting together. Um, and I'm just laying there and, and uh, receiving from God. And, and, um, and I often use that moment to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to share with the church? What, what are you saying to your church? And, uh, and so last week I did just that. And before I could get the whole sentence out... Uh, I had the word repentance reverberate through my mind and through my head. And my first reaction was, no, no, that can't be right. <laughs> that can't be right. I think I'll ask again. But, you know, who knows when you, when you hear God's voice, when you hear what God's saying, uh, it's pointless to try and get another answer because the first answer never leaves you. You know, it's like it hounds you um, because it's what God's saying. And so the love, I was sharing this with these guys in the prayer meeting and, uh, and I was saying, I was really wrestling with it. And, uh, and so, you know, the love and grace of my fellow prayers abounded towards me. As they said, it's probably just for you, repentance. And I thought, well, who needs enemies when you've got friends like that? Um, but I did struggle with that word because I just felt, Lord, you're saying more. There's something more to this than what I'm hearing right now. Not that repentance isn't a vital and crucial part of our salvation and our ongoing journey with God, but I still sense that there was more, and there was. I also find that wrestling with God about things, it often takes you from a place of uncertainty, sometimes confusion, um, until you come out the other side to a place of revelation. But it's like you have to go through the wrestle. And you have to go through the struggle sometimes to get there. And sometimes it, it's, you know, it takes longer than, than others. And when I started looking for scriptures and researching what repentance really means, what it involves, I actually realized that repentance is far more than just forget, for confessing your sins to God and receiving his forgiveness. That is a big part of it. But as many of you already know, repentance is a key to revival. And I came to understand that repentance is really a move of the Spirit. It's much bigger even than one person. It's the move of the Spirit. And who knows, we need a move of the Spirit in Lismore. We need a move of the Spirit in our schools. We need a move of the Spirit in our churches. And repentance in some places, even whole nations, has caused a dramatic shift in culture and changed the course of history for generations. And wouldn't that be something amazing to see ignited in this area?
not just in Lismore and Ganelaba, but everywhere that we tread our feet. You know, and for you guys, and I know for others that are normally here, um, where you live and where you carry the presence of God, um, you know, that's where um, this this is what this message is about. It's where you tread your feet. And, and this has to start with you and I. And I had a little story uh, up on my computer that I lost, <clears throat> but I just the basis of it was that there was this person... Um, all I can remember was this person asking someone else uh, where revival was happening. And the other person said, pointing to his shirt, well, it's happening behind these buttons. And, you know, revival will always um, start as a heart thing. It's never a, an outward thing. It always starts in here, behind these buttons. When I started to realise how powerful repentance can be, not just for us personally, but for churches for communities, for even for entire nations, I really then started to get excited. I must admit, it took me a while to get excited about repentance. And that's why I balked at it at the beginning. God, you just really want me to talk about repentance? Um, you know, it's powerful, but there's got to be more. And the big picture is that repentance is the key to revival. And it really began to stir my spirit. And that revival starts in here. So my prayer partners on Wednesday morning were most likely spot on, saying that God was probably speaking to me personally about repentance. And, you know, they meant it as a joke, obviously, but in fact it's true. But it was also a message. It was true for them and it's true for you sitting here this morning. So this morning I want to speak about a move of the Spirit. I want to talk about a move of God in your life. I want to talk about... Um, Far more than just than bringing your sins to God. Even though that is crucial that we do that, it's part of what repentance means. And, and let's never trivialize that. But it means far more and its consequences are far reaching. Confession is a huge part of the journey of repentance. I call it a journey because, you know, we, we come to that place of repentance when we encounter God, encounter Jesus for the first time. And it's, a, it's an amazing moment, uh, often of brokenness and crying out to God and receiving his healing and his forgiveness. But the journey of repentance goes on. Just because we repent when we're saved, you know, it doesn't mean we don't actually fall off the perch sometimes and, and make wrong decisions and do the wrong things and have the wrong attitudes. And so we continually need to walk out this, this journey of repentance. So in, with confession in 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In James 5.16, it says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So you can see here already, it's talking about you know, with repentance comes cleansing. With repentance comes healing. Yes, it's forgiveness of sins, but it is so much more. You know, I know Alan has been speaking to you as a church a lot about grace. In fact, I would say every message that he preaches from this pulpit carries that message of grace. And, and so he should. He, you know, Alan, Alan just, you know, God has just um, touched his life in such an amazing way through God's grace. And uh, 
And so, you know, that's what he carries with him. But how awesome it is that even our ability to confess our sin and to come to God with a repentant heart is a precious gift of grace from him. Repentance is a God-given gift. But even confession goes beyond confession of sin. And the bigger picture, again, really is our confession of Jesus Christ. And in fact, most scriptures that I, I came across that spoke about confession speak about confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. In Matthew 10.32 it says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father in heaven. And in Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth that, Je- that the Lord Jesus, sorry, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And here again is the bigger picture. It's with the heart that we believe and that we declare life. Confession is a hard issue. It comes from having a heart change and a heart encounter with God. And in fact, it can be even more dramatic than that. When the Apostle Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, preached to the crowds at Pentecost, it says that many of those who were listening were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. That's how deep God's conviction can go. When the Apostle Stephen revealed the truth of the gospel to the religious men of his day. It says Stephen's word cut them to the heart. Unfortunately, those guys, the religious ones, were so entrenched in their religion and all the outer rules and all the traditions, it didn't lead them to a place of repentance. In fact, they killed him. Instead of, you know, they killed him instead because of, of the, they couldn't cope with the um, turmoil and the the tension and, and, and what, what, um, what it created within them. And their way of dealing with that was to kill the messenger. Only the Holy Spirit can, can bring that level of conviction. They were convicted. But in the end, men, men choose for themselves how they respond. And getting back to Paul when he was speaking, um, sorry, to Peter at, when he was speaking at Pentecost, it said repent, which they did. And in the very next um, paragraph in my Bible, there's a heading that says, A Vital Church Grows. Repentance is a characteristic of, a, of vital church growth. In fact, repentance will lead to vital church growth. Um, it, it, it will be a characteristic of a rise church as it continues to grow and influence the community, community in Lismore. And I'm aware that even though our numbers are a bit small this morning, this church has been growing. Um, I see, um, you know, Alan shares with me uh, every week, which he has to, <laughs> um, he, he shares with me how many people are here and, you know, how things are going with the church. And I have seen gradually the numbers building here. And God is going to continue to do that. Um, and part of it will be, um, it'll be your heart's condition that, that will that will create that growth. God will use powerfully a heart that remains humble, submitted to him, a heart that desires to remain clear and transparent, and a church full of people like that will change a city. So then in the next chapter, in chapter 3 of Acts, it says this, 
In verse 19 it says, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I love this scripture. And in the, in the Amplified Version it says this, So repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins and return to God. Seek his purpose for your life. By the way, just some of you who know me and Venice and our church, uh, Venice is preaching in um, Ballina this morning at Seacoast Church and she's, she's preaching on the purpose of God uh, for people's lives. So repentance is, you know, it's all tied up with discovering your purpose. So seek his purpose for your life so that your sins may be wiped out, blotted out, um, completely erased, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And I love this bit. Restoring you like a cool wind on a hot day. That's what repentance does. It restores you like a cool wind blowing on a hot day. Another version says that, that you would be revived with fresh air. And this is getting closer to the fullness of meaning of what repentance is. It's, it's a complete turning towards God. Not only does he erase and blot out our sins, but he, he brings refreshment to our lives, like a cool breath of fresh air on a hot day. You know, refreshing, that word refreshing in the Greek, um, it's a medical term meaning to heal as a result of being exposed to air. And I love that concept, that coolness of God's spirit, the cool wind of his spirit blowing across our lives, refreshing us. So as well as, as bringing refreshment, repentance brings restoration. In Matthew seventeen eleven, 11, uh, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. Now the people who were listening to Jesus, uh, to listening to his message at that time, realised that when he was talking about Elijah, he was actually talking about John the Baptist, because John the Baptist carried the spirit of Elijah. It says that he carries the spirit and power of Elijah. And this is significant, because they would have known the scriptures about Elijah coming, uh, as it's quoted right at the end of the Old Testament. And it says that he would carry, he would turn, not Elijah literally, but the spirit of Elijah, would come to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Elijah's main message was repentance and the spirit of repentance carries with it restoration. And through repentance we are restored in relationship with God. But restoration comes around our life in other ways as well because it's part of the spiritual condition or the environment that we place ourselves in as we respond to God. And can I strongly encourage you to come before God regularly in repentance? Every day, come to God and just humble yourself before him and repent. Because it brings the fruit of repentance, which is refreshment and restoration across your life. Listen to this amazing scripture about restoration. In Mark 10.29 it says this, So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this life 
in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in, in the age and in the age to come, eternal life. The principle here is that as we repent of living for ourselves and instead follow after him, whatever the cost, even if it means we uproot ourselves from our homes, our families, which Venice and I have done in our ministry life, he promises to restore us a hundredfold of what we have surrendered and given up for him. And it's not just a, a promise in eternity, it's a promise for now, for this life. When Venice and I moved away to go to college and not knowing where we'd end up, could, never thinking we'd be back to this area, we, we uh, left our families, we left our parents, I left my sister, <laughs> talks about sisters, my sister Sue, um, but we left a lot of things, our home, everything behind, and that God has restored us. And I can honestly say he has restored us a hundredfold. may not all, not all be financial, but you know, in, in the blessings of God, he has restored us amazingly. You know, with children, with grandchildren, with the blessings of life, with ministry. And he does it in this life and in the life to come. So sometimes re- re- repentance requires us to let go of things. But the promise is that he, God will restore us a hundredfold. Repentance is about turning to God. It's not just about confessing our individual sins and, and failures. It's about making a complete U-turn back to God, away from evil, away from the trappings of this world, the dependency on worldly things, and turning towards a dependence upon God and trust in Him. It requires humbling of ourselves, acknowledging that we need God. You know, perhaps this is your first step this morning, your first step in repentance today, right here, saying, God, I need you. I've tried to do it all on my own. I've tried my own way. But God, I need you, and I humble myself before you this morning. It's also about acknowledging the price that was paid, that was made, that has made a way for you and I to come to God, to be restored, to be refreshed. You know, repentance is only possible because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary. It costs Jesus big time. And again, this is all part of the bigger picture. It's far more than us you know, saying, sorry God, and, and God saying to us, that's okay. You know, sin is never okay. It's never okay. But the blood of Jesus, as, as um, Barry has already said, the blood of Jesus Christ has washed us and cleansed us and made us whole. We're talking about a move of God this morning that will make you whole. You know, I've had people come to me not recently, but over the last 15 years that we've been in ministry down here. And um, they've said that God understands their situation and why they make the choice to live with their sin. And their reasoning is that he loves them and he turns a blind eye because he understands their needs. And I've had more than one person approach me and say that. And my response is always this, from John fourteen twenty one: He who has... He, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And in verse 23 says, Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. It's not about my opinion or anyone else's opinion for that matter. It's about the word of God. 
How we respond to the word will determine the life and the future that we create for ourselves. Love and obedience go together. And true repentance to love and obey makes room for God to move in our lives. Christ is love, but he is also the word. You don't have one without the other. Many people have tried to make up their own story. They try to make it all up for themselves, how it all works together. And you know what? They end up living a lie. And when you live a lie, deception comes in. You know, and the whole thing about deception is when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. It's a really hard road. But when you get, when we get this revelation of what repentance is and means, it leads us to a place of personal revival. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of this world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What, what diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation. What fear. What vehement desire. What zeal. What vindication. In all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. You know, these are the signs and the ingredients for revival. Repentance leads to salvation. Becoming diligent. To be clear in ourselves. Indignation. That indignation is like a righteous anger um, at injustice. And then there's fear. It talks about fear, but it's a fear of God. And vehement desire is passionate, intense desire. Then there's zeal. Zeal is great energy and, and enthusiasm. And vindication. This is a strong sense of being justified. Imagine if we all walked in this kind of repentant life every day. Imagine if we really lived in the freedom that we have, fully vindicated. Now, I believe this morning that this is a specific word for, for, for one or two or more here this morning. God says, you have been vindicated. You may not see it in the natural. Others may still want to judge you. But before God in heaven, where it really counts the most, you have been vindicated and released from those past false accusations. You can live in the freedom of your vindication. When I looked up the meaning of, of that word vindication, it started out by saying this, vindication is a sweet thing. I was blown away that the dictionary actually said vindication is a sweet thing. And I, again, I, I just go back to Barry this morning saying, you know, he believed that, you know, it's just the sweetness of God. You know, the sweetness of his presence that he wants to bring, to bring around us today. Well, vindication is yours. And vindication is a sweet thing. It means being fully justified. God wants to bring this sweetness around your life. A sweetness into your relationships. And let me tell you, for you, it may very well be justification and vindication for false accusations. But even if it's not false... Even if it's true, even if it's true that you made some mistakes, that you went down some wrong paths, you made some unwise choices in your past, the blood of Jesus Christ still justifies you. You have still been cleared. Start living as a person fully released from the prison of intimidation and condemnation. Let sweetness be your portion. 
You can walk out of here this morning. Sweet. <laughs> I love it when I, you know, you say, especially the young ones, you know, when you're texting young, one, young people and stuff and you get back the response, sweet, <laughs> sweet. You know, life is meant to be sweet. I know life, the things that happen around about us and, you know, th- some of the things that come against us are not sweet, but there's a sweetness that God wants to impart and, and to, you know, fill our hearts with. For others, it's learning to walk as someone who is clean, cleared of all past uncleanness. You can stand today clean before God, living with passion, you know, intense passion and desire for God and for life. Repentance, as much as it is our response, it is God himself who leads us to it. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. You know, God's own goodness and patience with us, which is his grace, draws us to that place of repentance. Somewhere along the way, I've, I've come across this thought, or read about this, I can't remember where. But, you know, it's most likely going to be the goodness of God that is, that is um, the biggest challenge, even for Christians, um, in the last days. And I, I presume that's because the world will continually become darker and more evil and the devil will throw everything at us, you know, because he knows his time is coming to an end. We are certainly seeing that, that evil manifest itself around the world and I don't have to give you the details of that. But some will question then God's goodness. But as darkness increases, so will the light. And the, and, and the dark will never overtake the light. And this is why I believe that we are ripe for revival. Not just personal revival, not just revival in the church, but revival in our whole nation. I really do believe Australia is positioned uniquely in this world for revival. And uh, the greatest revivals usually come out of the times of greatest opposition. And we've been told, you know, in the word, that um, in the last days we should expect persecution. Remember the scripture from Mark 10 that I spoke about before where it says that houses and children, mothers and fathers being restored to us a hundredfold. It says with persecution. We can fear persecution. We can be shut down by it. Withholding our zeal and our passion and and our proclaiming of the gospel. Or we can face it uh, with with full trust in God. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says... just leading up to this. This is Paul speaking. Just after he says that he has a... Remember the scripture that says he has a thorn in the, in the flesh? And we don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. But he calls it a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. Three times he asks God to take it away. But then he comes to a place of, of complete surrender and trust. And he says this. And, and, and this is what Paul said. And he said to me, God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, it's a big step to say that we take pleasure in infirmities and persecutions. I don't know if I've actually... I could actually use those words myself. 
But I think Paul is making a point here that there's something undeniably profound in experiencing God's grace and his strength carrying you through the darkest hours and the darkest of times. What does it mean in this context to have the power of Christ resting upon me? Perhaps we will never know until we desperately need him. Repentance brings, sorry, repentance and revival are incredible. They bring an incredible supernatural change. But the outer challenges of life still remain and sometimes increase. But his his grace is sufficient. So in all of that, all of that word, I hope something of that has spoken to your heart. And I just want to summarise just quickly what I've just shared. It says, repentance is the key to revival. It is, it's a move of the spirit. Repentance will start with you. Don't look for it outwardly. It will always begin within. Conviction and confession have the power to see a vital church grow. It's going to happen here. It's going to happen at Seacoast Church in Ballina. It's going to happen in other churches around. It's not just about confessing your sin to God. It's about confessing that he is Lord. And all that means for our lives. Repentance is, ha- is like having a cool breeze blow across you on a hot day. Repentance is uh, it's like being healed by, by fresh air. Repentance brings restoration. The spirit of Elijah, which carries the message of repentance, is about restoring all things. Repentance requires obedience. And obedience is the outworking of love. There are some here who need to know God says that you have been vindicated. And vindication is a sweet thing. God wants to bring sweetness around someone's life this morning. I believe it's around all of our lives. And the fruit of a changed inner life will be amazing, but remember, persecution will continue. Christ wants to come and rest his power upon you in the midst of your trials. And God's grace and strength will always be sufficient for you. And just as I finish, I'm so glad I didn't try and fight against the word that God gave me for this church. Repentance. I really did balk at that word repentance when I first heard it. But the truth is, it has the power to cleanse you, vindicate you, renew your passion and zeal, and to spark revival in your heart and your life. God is leading us each one of us, daily, to a place of repentance. And if we allow him, he will lead us into a new and fresh move of God. It will start in here, behind these buttons, and he'll carry it throughout the church, throughout our community, throughout this nation, if we will allow him. Amen? Let's just pray as I close. Father, I thank you for your word. That sometimes, Lord, it's, it, uh, your word often actually is a call to humble ourselves before you. To understand this journey that we're on. And it's not all froth and bubble. It's not all, um, you know, exciting and wonderful at first sight. And Lord, as we talk about repentance, it is a call to come before the cross of Calvary. To, con- to confess our sin. To daily come. And humble ourselves, Lord God. But in that place of humility, in that place of confession, we are cleansed, we are renewed, we are refreshed, we are restored. 
And you bring that, all these things around about our life, like an environment that we then walk in day by day. So, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that you have given us this gift of repentance, that you yourself have led us to this place. And I pray for those ones particularly this morning that you are clearly saying that they are vindicated, that you are bringing a sweetness around about their life that they can carry with them throughout every day, that we are cleansed and made whole. We are healed in your name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't we stand? And um, Barry, I don't know what your plan is, but that last song you sang was just beautiful. Um, is that what, what were you thinking? You do whatever you like. <laughs> it's all good. You know what I said before? I don't care. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, um, it, it, as, you know, it's probably not about the song. It's probably about the presence of God. And, um, just as we sing and, uh, and worship together, allow the Holy Spirit to continue to minister His word to you. And if you, if you would like prayer, even while Barry is singing, please come. I would love to pray with you. Uh, whatever may have come up for you through the word or anything else that you know you're facing and dealing with right now. And um, that would be awesome. Thank you. Thanks for that word.